My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Christopher Rausch. He is known as the No Excuses Coach, and he's also the host of the Raw and Unscripted with Christopher Rausch podcast and the Unfiltered Experience podcast. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Thank you so much for coming on. What's going on, Basha? It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your challenges, your podcasts, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? A bit about my story. Um, I'm, let's see, my story is this. Uh, I was born, no, uh, let's see my story. Jesus, what part do you, do you want to know? Um, the crazy, <laughs> the, the two minute version of it is that essentially that I was born back in 1969 in Los Angeles, California to a mother who had various psychological disorders and chemical dependencies. So my upbringing was very, very challenging. I never knew my biological father and grew up with a sister who was part-time there, part-time not. She had a different dad because my mom was very promiscuous. And uh, about 13 years old, I came home from junior high school. I was in the seventh grade doing very poorly, doing drugs and getting into fights and all sorts of stuff. And I came home and I found out that my mom, after uh, ruining all of her relationships and kicking my sister out, uh, or actually my sister leaving, uh, found out that we lost the house. So at 13 years old, I had to drop out of the seventh grade. And for four years, I sat on the streets with my mom, digging through dumpsters and being homeless in the backseat of a station wagon with 18 cats and four dogs. No joke, 18 cats and four dogs inside of a 1969 Country Square station wagon. I did that for four years. Uh, I tried to commit suicide twice. Fortunately, I sucked at it. And then ultimately one day, <clears throat> about 17 years old, I came back to the motel we were living in or staying in, I should say. I was working three jobs just to be the, the weekly motel rent so we could you know, get out of the car. And uh, this black gentleman came out of the, the dark shadows of the motel. And he's like, yo, man, he goes, you want to buy a carton of reds? And I said, no, bro. I said, I smoke cools. And I kept on walking. He's like, yo, yo, yo. He goes, there's no way you smoke cools. And I turned around. I wanted to address him. And I said, yeah, I smoke cools. And he goes, come on, man, buy these reds off me. And I said, if you had a carton of menthols, I said, I would. I said, I don't smoke reds, dude. And he came up and got in my face. And he goes, oh, it's because I'm black. And I said, I don't care what color your skin is. I said, I grew up in Inglewood. I said, I was the only white kid in a black neighborhood. Skin color doesn't matter. The type of cigarettes does because I don't smoke those. I quit smoking those. And I started smoking menthols because everybody would bum the cigarettes off me before. And now they don't. And I went to reach in my back pocket to get the, the cigarettes out of my back pocket. And he thought I was pulling out a weapon and he put a nine millimeter gun to my forehead. It was in the dark shadows, the back part of the motel. It was a bunch of drug dealers and all sorts of stuff going on. Cold nine millimeter to my forehead. And I was just like, wow. And I was at a point in my life where my mom wasn't caring about me. I was doing drugs and drinking and all sorts of types of things. And I'd already tried to kill myself twice. And I looked at the guy and I said, if you're going to pull the fucking trigger, pull the fucking trigger. And I closed my eyes and I thought my brains were going to get blown out. I thought I'll be it. Fortunately, a guy came running out of the motel in one of the motel rooms and he was like, no, no, him and his moms are cool. Him and his moms are cool. And fortunately, I wound up to get to know that guy. His name was Keith. He had just gotten out of prison, had a thing for white people because they had always accused him of different stuff. And we wound up becoming friends. But ultimately, from that point, I had to start making different decisions about my life. And I believe that God's source universe, when you're ready to take those next steps, shows up in your life and provides opportunities. And one of my jobs that I was doing at that time is I was working at a telemarketing place inside this guy's apartment, which sounds creepy, but uh, I went to work one day and the guy said, listen, he goes, I know you're living in that motel. I know you've been homeless. He goes, I got good news and I got bad news. 
And I said, all right, I've said I've had enough bad news to last me a lifetime. I was 17 years old. And he says, well, I want to leave you my apartment. He goes, but the, the, the good news is I want to leave you my apartment. He said, the bad news is I'm moving the operation to Texas. And I sat there and I was like, wow. And I was making good money. I was like making 10 bucks an hour plus uh, like a hundred bucks for every lead that I, I secured. And I thought about it and I was like, wow. And I went back and I thought about it and I thought, maybe my mom will let me do this, you know, because I always had to take care of my mom. She was chemical dependent, you know, very psychological disorders, like I told you before. And I thought that she might let me go and tell me, you know, hey, Chris, you know, I've screwed your life up enough. And I went and told her and I said, hey, mom, I've got this opportunity. I can do this. You know, I can make the rent. I can get Robert and John and Rambo to come move in with me and we can make this. It was in Huntington Beach, California. It was a beautiful apartment. I'd never seen anything like it. And she called me every name in the book and told me, how could you do this to me? And all these other things when I was already breaking my back to, to try to support us and she wasn't doing anything. And so I had to listen to my, my soul. And I looked at the prostitution and the drugs and everything going on in the, in the motel. And I thought there's only a couple of ways I'm going to get out of the situation. I was 17 years old. I'm going to get out of here in a pine box because I'm going to die. I'm going to get out of here on a patrol car because I was doing bad things, or I'm going to have to actually take responsibility for my life and remove myself from the situation. And on God's honest truth, Basha, I made the hardest decision I ever had to make in my life. I had to leave the motel. I had to leave her in that place. I still went back there every night and I still gave her money to try to get her back on her feet, but I had to do that. And ultimately, as a result, I got around some other different people and I found a mentor in this older gentleman who was, I was dating his daughter. And he said, you know, Chris, what have you ever thought about going back to school? And I said, no, I, are you kidding me? I'm like 18 years old now. I'm like, there's no way I could go back to high school. I wouldn't do any of that stuff anyway. And uh, so he says, there's this GED thing. So I did the GED thing. Long story short, I did the GED thing. And he says, what about college? And I said, are you kidding me? I was called stupid my entire life. I did poorly in school. You want me to go to college? I'm working two jobs just trying to make it. I've just got out of this motel situation. And he says, just go try one class. So I went to Golden West Community College here in Southern California, signed up for a class, and then 12 years later, I graduated my master's degree and the same year I bought my first house. And then from that point forward, I started using my voice and my talents and my passion to help other people get out of shitty situations because I said, everybody, I said, if I can do it, the idiot can do it. Anybody can do it. And so I started speaking and coaching and speaking all around the world and inspiring people to have a great life. And now I live here in Southern California with my amazing wife and my beautiful son. And I coach and I speak and I do my two podcasts every single week. And I love life and I love helping people rise above. There are no excuses. That is so inspiring. I that's I'm the so book I'm writing right were... now. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely should write a book. After all of that, you one thousand percent should. That oh, is yeah. extremely inspiring. Thank you. So, if you don't mind me asking, first of all, what did you end up going to school for for college? I uh, went to get a business degree. So my uh, okay. my bachelor's degree is business management, and then my master's degree is uh, masters of organizational management. I was in okay. corporate. Gotcha. I was successful in corporate for over 26 years, went from being the warehouse worker to being the director of operations, traveling internationally. And then November, 2019, I took the plunge and said, I'm tired of being comfortably miserable. I made six figures. I was always tied to money. I was always tied to security and being afraid that if I don't work, then I'm gonna wind up homeless again. And I just decided after all this time, I'm like, I've been doing coaching and speaking on the side and said, I gotta leave. So November, 2019, I left. And then sure, and I was gonna go get another job. And, and, uh, then COVID hit and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do my coaching, my speaking full-time. And that's what I've been doing since then. That's amazing. So what would you say was that, that turning point where you were like, you know what, like, this is a business that I want to do. I'm going to put my all into this. 
Um, when I found out you could make money at it, it was so funny because in corporate people would come to my office and talk to me about a business question, but then they would, we would talk about life. And all of a sudden we would find them sitting in my chair for 45 minutes, talking about stuff that they never shared with anybody else. And people would tell me over and over and over again, Chris, I feel like I could tell you anything. I'm like, you could tell me anything. I've heard all sorts of things. I've seen Lord knows lots of things I said, I don't judge. I just try to understand where the person's at in their position, what it is that they want and try to find a path between where they're at and where they want to be and guide them on that path. And then ultimately <clears throat> this thing called a life coach started coming out. And I was like, what's the hell, what the hell is that? It was like, it was uh, Scott Bale from happy days. You're probably too young to know this. Scott Bale from happy <laughs> days came out and it was like, Chachi gets a, a, a life coach. It was a TV show. It was like, Scott Bale gets a life coach. I'm like, what's a life coach. And so we started watching the shows. I'm like, that's exactly what I do. I give them life advice. So I started doing it and started charging money. Actually, what I did at first, I started doing pay it forward coaching because I didn't need the money. I was doing good at my job. And so I just wanted to help people. That's all I've ever wanted to do is just help people. I love helping people. It inspires the hell out of me to answer your question. But what I would do is I would coach people for six weeks. And the part of the agreement, they didn't have to pay me anything, is they had to go do three nice things for somebody else. And that was after the watch, I watched the movie Pay It Forward with Haley Joe Osmond. It's an old movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's an amazing movie. He just does one thing and it trickles out and it starts doing amazing things for other people. And so I started doing this and I found that the people were benefiting from my coaching but they were benefiting more from going out and doing nice things for other people. And that was the beauty of it. it was like, wow, I never realized how much I really had until I went and served somebody who didn't have it. And so that perspective shift for people was really the eye opener for them to get out of their own way and start truly living their life. And then ultimately I did it for free for a while. And then I found out if you don't pay for it, you don't pay, you don't pay attention. And so I started having to charge for people to, to actually pay for my services. And then as I started doing that, I just kept increasing my prices because I was that good. And then started commanding quite a decent fee and ultimately was able to leave my day job and now truly live the life of my dreams. Congratulations. Thank you. What would you say when you were starting off, when you started charging people and started, you know, growing it to a more like legitimate business, what was the number one mistake that you made looking back now where it's like, it makes you slap your forehead where you're like, what the hell was I thinking? Constantly trying to work with everybody else within their budget. I was constantly lowering my 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 dollar value, lowering my the value of my services to try to meet where everybody else was at, and then they would wouldn't really take it super seriously. So then I found myself at a point where I got a coach, and she was like, you know, dude, you can change the world. You have that kind of talent. You have that kind of passion. You have that kind of story. You need to charge what you're worth. And that has been the number one thing for me is charging what I'm worth because I always feel bad. I want to help people. I know what it's like not to have money. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to literally look at your electric bill and, and look at the, how much gas money you have to get to work and literally call in sick for three days. So you can pay your electric bill, call in sick for three days to get your paycheck, to put it together, to make it. So I know what that means. So I always was constantly working with people, but at the same time I was devaluing my services. So ultimately started making the tough point to be able to say, okay, listen, if you want to work with me at six months, it's $10,000 and seeing people's face like, oh my God, $10,000, I had $10,000. I wouldn't need a coach and, and feeling bad, but internally having to say, Chris, you're worth it. You deserve it. You provide a service that changes people's lives forever. You have to own that. And it wasn't that I didn't want to own. It was just, I felt bad for other people, but in doing so it has attracted so many other people in my life that really, truly want to grow and want to learn and want to take what it is that I share with them and make an impact in the world. And the, the thing that I always stress to my clients is please do me this favor. Whatever you do with your business, please go pay it forward to somebody else. Please go try to help the homeless, go try to help you know, disadvantaged kids. I mentor at-risk kids. I went back and one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest days of my life, aside from getting married, having my son was going back and I got invited to go back to the school I dropped out of. It's, it's a crazy story. I was literally sitting with my buddies, having a beer, 
And so we were talking about life and everything. And they said, Chris, what would be like your greatest thing to happen to you right now? And I said, honestly, to go back to the school I dropped out of and speak to the seventh and eighth grade class and let them know, listen, guys, you're just like, I was just like you, just like you, but here's the journey I've been on. I'm going to come full circle. I'm coming back in this gymnasium. I'm going to tell you guys what's up. And they, and they, the, one of the guys said, where did you go to school? And I said, Brooker's junior high over on, in Anaheim. He's like, no way. And I said, yeah. And I said, why? And he goes, well, my wife's a PE teacher there. I said, no way, really? And he goes, well, I'll talk to her. She's really good friends with the principal. No shit. Chills, chills on my arm right now. And so I, couple, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't even think anything of it. Honestly, Basha, I was like, nope, there's going to be no big thing. Email a few days later, here's the name of the principal. He would love to have you back. They're going to contact the Anaheim Bulletin and let them know that it's like this newspaper story of this guy that's been on this tra tra traumatic journey, really. I mean, I, I only told you a, a hair of it. There was so many crazy stories. And I'm actually almost done with the book. It'll be done at the end of March and it'll be out later this year. <clears throat> and ultimately got to walk back into that gymnasium after literally the last day I left. I was, I got no fight and I think I got it suspended. Uh, I can't remember. I was smoking pot in the, uh, during PE. <clears throat> And I uh, got to walk in the gymnasium and I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Like just, just a hair raise. I'd driven by the school before. Cause I'm kind of one of those nostalgic people like, oh, that's where I went to school. But, um, but seeing the kids walking in the class, I thought somebody punked me because I looked around. I'm like, those aren't seventh and eighth. Those aren't uh, seventh and eighth graders. And the principal assured me, he goes, those are seventh and eighth graders. I was like, no, those are just kids. Those are just little kids. You know, I expected them to be tall. And, and cause that's how I saw myself. I had to become a man overnight, literally at 13 years old. And uh, being able to talk to those kids was like one of the life-changing moments for me because after I spoke to them, like all of them stood in line, like not all of them, but probably about 30 of them stood in line and came to talk to me and they're like, hey, I'm living in a motel right now. Hey, I'm living at Olive Crest Children's Foundation, which is a place that I mentor the kids. Um, and uh, hey, my mom's on drugs. Hey, I'm living with my grandparents, you know, and giving me hugs. And these were little kids. And I was like, oh my God, that's how little I was when I went through all this. It's, I mean, it was just amazing. So just to be able to go back and tell those kids, and I know I didn't impact every single one. It was probably about 500 kids or whatever, but if I impacted three of those kids and three of those kids go to do what I've done and go back and speak to those schools, that's a way we can change the world and change the life. And that's honestly what I'm all about is, is, is making this world a better place for everybody, no matter what your skin color is or what your Republican, Democrat, you know, short, gay, whatever, whatever label you want to put on it. We're all the same. When you split us down the middle, we bleed. We can all have interchangeable blood and interchangeable body parts. And I just want this world to be a better place for our kids and our kids' kids. That's the Absolutely. Short <laughs> That's beautiful. I honestly, I don't even remember what question I asked, but just, just hearing you talk about it, like I was getting chills listening to you mm -hmm. say, like you walked into that gymnasium and it's like, these, these, these kids are so little because we think, you know, when you were in seventh, eighth grade, oh my God, like we're going to go to high school soon. You know, like we feel like we're so big. And then once you're, once you're older and you look back and you're like, wow, like we were tiny little fuckers. <laughs> It was ridiculous. I it just, the smell of the place, everything came back to me and it had been so many years, but it was such a beautiful experience. So I've gone to speak to many, many schools since then. And it's just a beautiful experience to be able to do that. Congratulations. That's all I can Thank say is congratulations. Thank you. So let's switch gears and let's talk about your, your business right now and today. Switching what gears. is your focus for, <laughs> what is your focus for 2023? Staying out of people's way. No, that's, that's, that's not the, that's not the focus. The focus for 2023 is honestly finishing the book. That has been a, um, a, one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do because I can tell you my story here in two minutes, but to sit down and spend the time to really go through every story that I really think is going to matter all the physical abuse that I endured. I mean, I got beat left, right, and center. I got bullied in school. I got bullied on my block. I got bullied by my mom, never had a biological dad. So going through all these stories and then once I became successful, you know, it didn't stop there. Once I got my master's degree and got my house, fortunately, my mom started getting stronger. I, I learned about codependency. I had no idea about that. 
My mom started getting stronger. She got a job. She ultimately, the motel that she lived in, God's honest truth, she was the last person that lived there. It was condemned. Um, the city of Anaheim was uh, going to uh, bulldoze it and put the freeway over it. And so she was the last person in there with no electricity. I got her out of there. She bought a house. She bought a four bedroom house with a pool. She always said, I want a four bedroom house with a pool. My mom, let's just get an apartment. You know, we're living in Schittsville right now. Let's just do this. But she wouldn't give up her cats. All that time she had her cats. She had her cats in the motel room. It was crazy how she got away with it. Don't ask me how. Um, we were in there for a while. <clears throat> And then ultimately she wound up losing that house again. And then she had medical difficulties. So the, 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 the book is like this, the book is just like, well, it's, it's shitty stories for a long time. And then it's, then it's the uprising and everything's good. And then me and my mom became friends. And then she unfortunately got sick. And then I spent the last two years of her life taking care of her. She had her leg amputated. She found out she had lung cancer and then she died um, while I was holding her uh, 11 years ago. Actually, it was just the anniversary of her death. The day I moved into this house was the day she died. It was pretty crazy, you know, chapters in your life and all sorts of stuff like that. I talk about that. And um, so my focus for this year really is getting the book done and then ultimately getting back on stages because now COVID is supposedly over, except for there's all these new variants that are coming out. And I just recently had it, but getting back on stages, impacting as many people as I possibly can with my shows, with my coaching, and ultimately just living a great life, enjoying my time with my son. He's my number one priority. My health is my number one priority is making sure that I'm kick-ass unstoppable and I'm setting the example for him to follow because they watch and see what we do. So having Jack Daniels and doing this and doing that and having all these little parties and everything else, I got to minimize that now because the ultimate focus really now is how much of an impact can I make in this world while with the time I have left because we don't live forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think those are great focuses to have. And I think you should definitely write a book 1000%. I think that's a book that would help <clears throat> so many people. So many people. I'm going to say, um, what the hell is it? Normally I have a, co oh, oh, here we go. I'll give you a sneak peek. Here's a sneak peek of the cover. Nobody's seen this. It's called, it's just you and me, kid. A story of a mother-son's survival on the streets of Southern California. Um, but truth be told, it's actually the Dave Grohl book because I'm a huge Dave Grohl Foo Fighters fan. So I just put the cover <laughs> around it. But it's amazing what you do if you're writing a book and you just like put this in front of you. It's incredible. I've written a couple of books before. I haven't published them, but it's pretty incredible. So it's going to be uh, amazing. I've got 156,000 words already written. It's 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 such a pain in the ass, but it's going to be such a, an amazing story. I believe it's going to be a movie and it's going to change people's lives. Oh, that would be so cool as a movie. I would watch yeah. that. I would watch Thank that. I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people watch that. Um, so what is your goal for revenue for 2023 goal for revenue? I never put a hard number on that. Honestly, um, mm -hmm. for me, it's just about exponentially just trying to increase that number because I see so many of my friends get like fixated on a target. Like I'm going to make $200,000 this year. I'm going to make a million dollars this year. And then if they don't reach that goal, they feel like somehow they didn't, they missed the mark and what's wrong with me and everything else. For me, it's just, am I progressively building my business in a way that suits me? That doesn't stress me out. And that, that I could still live comfortably. I'm not out there to have nine Bugattis. I'm not out there to be Andrew Tate or anybody else like that. <laughs> I have an amazing life. I have a beautiful house. I have a 69 charger underneath me. I have 10 guitars. I have everything that I could possibly ever want. My wife asked me what I wanted for Christmas this year. And I was like, I don't need anything. I've got everything, you know? So for me, it's just about, am I increasing my revenue? But more importantly, and this may sound cliche, it's about the impact. It's about, can I reach more people with my voice and my passion to help them make, have a better life and make this world a better place? Because if you watch the news, which I don't, you see all this divisiveness and name calling and this, that, and the other thing. And it breaks my heart because when I talk to people, whether Republican, Democrat, anti-vax, vax, whatever, pro-gay, pro-trans, pro whatever it might be, or anti, we're all beautiful people. We're all just trying to figure it out ourselves. 
And that's the biggest thing for me. So money is yes, important, I guess. But for me, honestly, no cliche. It's just about, can I reach more people and get more people to, to stop looking at the news and start looking within themselves and give themselves love? Because one of the things I did as a gift during COVID, during the lockdowns, I said, you know what, how can I do something for somebody that, you know, I can't leave my house or anything. So I started offering people a complimentary coaching session. So I said, if you have a problem, just call me and we'll spend an hour on the phone. It's my gift to you. I won't try to sell you anything. If you want to work with me, great. You can ask me. If not, I just want to spend an hour with you. And that's my way of paying it forward. And the God's honest truth, Basha, probably about the 17th, 20th call I started noticing a pattern. I started watching people's body language. I'm very good at this because as a kid, I had to watch what, what mood my mom was in. If I was going to get my ass kicked, I should hide. And so I got really good at reading people. And I started, um, I heard this little whisper in my head and I've been getting better about listening to whispers. I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, but you know, all these different things that are kind of coming to my life now I'm learning. And I heard this whisper, ask them if they love themselves. And I thought in my head, I'm like, that's a stupid question. Of course, everybody loves themselves. And so I started asking people, I said, I'm going to ask you a question. I just want you to be honest. I don't want you to think about this. It's either yes or no. Do you love yourself? Yes or no. And the guy, I thought everybody's like, are you stupid? Are you a coach? You know, really? 75% at least sat there and went, well, I think so. Well, sort of. Well, no. You know, it was just all these variations of answers. Sometimes it'd be like, yeah, of course I do. And I'm like, great. And I'm like, what's the secret to that? So I wanted to learn why they love themselves. I'm always very inquisitive and found out that people didn't love themselves. I'm like, how can you expect happiness? How can you expect a, an awesome relationship with your husband, your wife, your daughter, or anything else? How can you expect a great job if you don't love yourself? That starts right there. And then the second question is, how do you take care of yourself? Do you hydrate? Do you sleep? Do you have nutrition? Do you get exercise? Do you get vitamin D? Those five things. 75 of those percent of those people did not do that. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, I'm not good at working out. I don't drink water. I don't like water. I drink soda. Mike, okay. So the foundation of your house, your house up here, your foundation of your house is shit. And you're expecting all these other things to happen in your life. Do you see how ridiculous that is? Because I'm straightforward. I'm just no excuses, right? Straightforward. People are like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So what's the one decision you can make right now? Make this pledge to yourself out of those five things. What is it you can do today? Sleep, hydration, nutrition, exercise, vitamin D. What can you do today? And then inevitably people would call me a couple of weeks later, like, Chris, oh my God, I didn't realize that, you know, I was sleeping five hours a night and I got seven hours a night and I started feeling better. And I started waking up in the morning and meditating and doing a little stretching and some journaling, get outside and did a walk, started listening to podcasts, turned the news off, boom, boom, boom. Three months later, they're like, life is like, you know, significantly different, not perfect, but significantly different. So we got to love each other and love ourselves. And that's my big message. And it's, it's not about money as necessarily. It's for me, it's impact. Like if I died right now, I know that everything that I've done in the last, you know, four or five years will support my legacy, which is what I did back in 2008. I wrote my eulogy. I was sitting at a, at a funeral for a coworker and I thought, and seeing everybody get up there and eulogize this person, I really didn't know her. I knew her, she was a coworker, but I went there to pay my respects. And everybody, one after another, were eulogizing. Oh, she was this, she was this, she was that. And I didn't know that she was all these things. And so I thought to myself, I said, hmm, like this, think about this, Basha. I was like, hmm, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? Who would show up and what would they say? And in my mind, I was like, and this is back when I was 31, I think it is 31, 32. I'm, I'm gonna be 54 next month. And that puts a perspective on it. <laughs> and so I thought 10 or 15 people, 10 or 15 people will show up. They'll bring Miller Genuine Draft and Jack Daniels and Bon Jovi and Motley Crue Records because I'm a huge hair metal rock and roll dude. Love music, as you can tell. And they're going to tell stories about all the crazy shit that Chris did. Oh, remember that time he passed out? Remember that time he chased that? Remember that time? Remember that time? Oh yeah, he was homeless and he got his life together and he started helping people. You know, that would be like the little, you know, post thing on my on my funeral. And I thought, mm -mm, no, that's that's not how I want to be remembered. 
So I went home and as uncomfortable as it was, I took out a piece of paper, God's honest truth. I always keep paper beside me. And I wrote my eulogy, which is, you know, two fears in life. People don't want to public speak and they don't want to die. And so I wrote about my eulogy. I wrote, wrote about my life. And then ultimately when I got done with it, I went and got a glass of water. I came back to my office and I sat there and I read it out loud as though I was giving a sermon. And I'm like, Christopher Roush, you know, it was known to the, and then when I got to the middle part where it said, Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he will left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. God's honest truth. I read that and I started crying. Like just tears started coming down my face. I was just like, wow, I can go from that homeless beat up kid who had no self-confidence, no self-esteem, had nothing, was just trying to survive and stay out of everybody's way. Literally, like if, like if somebody waved like this, and now I'm this person that can leave this kind of a legacy and a mark. So every day when I wake up, I say what I'm grateful for. And then I say what my intentions are for the day. My intention is to fulfill that legacy so that if I drop dead 20 minutes from now, this is the last thing I ever do. What did Chris do? And you share this, this broadcast with my friends and my family and the people that follow me, I'm living on point. And so as long as I'm always doing that and being congruent to my word and my values, I'm having a kick-ass life. Beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm so sorry. We're going to, we're going to get back on the questions. We've only got about 15 minutes left to this interview. No worries. But I think that that is, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful mission. And what you're doing is, is amazing. And the way lives and I love your, your approach with no excuses, no bullshit. Perfect. I think, I think more people need to have that kind of approach to their life, yeah. but yeah, just, um, yeah. take no prisoners. Absolutely not. So where do you predict that you might get stuck within the next 12 months along your path? Where do I feel I would get stuck? Mm. The biggest thing I probably get stuck is I, <clears throat> I tend to like to party and have a good time. So with my mm -hmm. health, I tend to take these little ups and downs. Like right now I'm doing no booze, no sugar, no wheat, no gluten, I'm working out five days a week. I'm not doing 75 hard, which is a program you may be familiar with it. It's pretty popular. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm not doing that. I've done that twice because I didn't want to do it. So I forced myself to do it and did it and had a great time. Um, but ultimately I think the place where I might get stuck, it's not stuck. I think I might fall back a little bit is when it becomes summertime. I have a pool and I have a bunch of friends. And so I like to party. And so I start taking less, better care of myself. And then my stuff starts to slide a little bit. I'm always like, as you can tell, I'm high octane. I'm always going, I'm ADHD on crack. So I'm always doing stuff <laughs> for me this year. I'm really looking to transition from being that party guy and being that, Oh, I got to have a couple of drinks and, you know, and just relax because I'm so high wired and instead do different things with my body and my soul and be more spiritual now. So I'm looking at like studying Buddhism and training, tr trading that, that energy that I usually have to calm down with drinking with something else so that I don't kind of backslide a little bit. Like I did last mm -hmm. September, I started drinking and then I, oh, I'll have some sweets. And then before I knew it, I put on 15 pounds and I was like, damn, okay. So I know that when I'm, when I'm firing on all cylinders, there's nothing that can stop me. So that's probably the biggest thing, quite honestly, nothing, nothing, I don't stay stuck ever. I don't get bored. I don't stay stuck. I have so many tools in my belt that will keep me going. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Plus I have my own coach. Plus I have my mastermind buddies. Plus I have an accountability group. I have so many people looking to me that I have to set the example because that's my legacy. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's only fair that you hold yourself to the same standards that you're holding your clients to. Yes. You got You have to stick with it. It is what it is. And my um, coach, my coach is, my coach does me one better. She is no excuses to the max. She's the only coach I've ever had that can see through what I'm putting on and like, Nope, Chris, this is what you're doing. Like she like first couple of sessions, she's like, Chris, you're in survivor mode instead of thriver mode. I'm like, what do you mean survivor mode? I've got all this stuff. She goes, Nope. You have to have a plan B plan, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So you don't lose anything. 
She goes, you're living that, you're living in scarcity. You need to change that mindset. And so through a lot of twisting and turning and pulling and tugging, um, I, I changed my perception about that. And it, it, it unlocks so much for my life. So I always think that everybody should have a coach, everybody. I don't care who you are, what you're doing. Everybody should have a coach, somebody they can go talk to, tell them anything that you want. I can tell her, like my wife and I are fighting and she's being a bitch and I can get anything off my chest. I don't store anything inside and I can go out there. And so accountability partners are huge. Absolutely. So along the coach topic, what do you think is the number one problem that coaches face in 2023? <laughs> or I guess 2022. So we just, we're just out of 2022, but yeah, well in a world now during COVID, everybody became a coach and everybody became a speaker. I just flipped through my Instagram. Everybody's a, everybody's a, a influencer and some, some sort of that. But you know, the biggest problem I think for coaches is that they don't walk their talk. You know, I was just talking to somebody who is a relationship coach and, and, and I just met them, their relationship coach. And I said, I said, Oh, how's your relationship? Oh, my marriage. You know, I just got divorced. And I'm like, I was a relationship coach. I started off as a relationship coach, but I know that I was not doing good in my relationship. I could give everybody advice, but I wasn't taking my own advice. So I'm like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. So I changed it to mindset coaching. Um, but I think right now you'll see over the next couple of years, you're going to see these people who became coaches during the, during the pandemic that they don't have the wherewithal to continue with that business. So we'll see it change. But um, I see that, I guess if you need an answer, um, getting clients, but mm -hmm. me personally, I don't have that problem because my word of mouth speaks for itself. Every time I coach somebody, I usually get two or three referrals. I don't take them all. I only take certain people. And so for me, it's not an issue, <clears throat> but ultimately um, we'll see how that goes. But I, I truly believe that uh, coaching can change your life quickly. The Absolutely. Right I complete the right coach, the right coach. Yeah. Yes. Which I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, I personally haven't looked for a coach. It is something that I've considered doing. I just, I, I'm also, I'm a very similar person. I love having a ton of different things on my plate, doing a lot of different things. I like staying busy. I yeah. just feel like I haven't had the time to go and like look at reviews and try to find somebody who's actually walking their walk and not just talking it. So, well, but that's, you know that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> now you know me. And um, if I can't, if I can't do it, I can always refer you out to somebody. I know a lot of amazing coaches, relationship coaches, career coaches, spirituality coaches, um, you name it. I know a coach, fitness coaches. Good to know. I'll keep that in mind. Um, if you were to double or triple your revenue, what are some challenges you might face or changes you need to make both within yourself and within your business? Mm, you're not gonna like my answer. That's okay. <laughs> um, I I know, I'm not, I'm actually not interested in that because what I've seen my friends do, one of the biggest things that I want, honestly, Bosh, and this may sound cliche again, but it's the God's honest truth. I want simplicity. I want, I want to enjoy my life. I went, when I was in corporate, I was a go-getter. I did everything for everybody. I was super successful. I was ready to become vice president. Um, I was burning myself out and I was doing all these things for money, for money, for ego and everything else. So for me to think about quadrupling or doubling my income, that would be twice as much business. And so if I had twice as much business, I would be spending twice as much business in that and not spending that time with my son, or I would have to hire on coaches or, or hire on other people. And the God's honest truth at 54 years old, I don't want that complexity. I'm looking at the the opportunity for products to, to you know to to what they call evergreen products. I don't even have any coaching programs like that on to, purposely. My coach wants me to do that now, but for me, it's all about the balance. Like I don't want to be stressed out for my coaching business, and I know some of my friends who are because they built a two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar coaching business, and then as it starts to decline, what happens? What's wrong with me? I have to maintain that. I have to do that, and then they stress themselves out, and they burn themselves out, and they get sick, and then they wind up in a hospital, and then they're wondering like what. And I've talked to so many people. If you've never read the book, and for your viewers and listeners, there's a great book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. 
Five Regrets of the Dying it was written by a hospice nurse. We know a hospice nurse sits with people as they're dying and they're transitioning. She wrote this book and she said, after all these stories, the number one regret of people, and this is the God's Honest Truth. You can check it out. You can even just Google it and it'll show you the five regrets. The number one regret of, of people who are dying was that they lived the life they thought they were supposed to live instead of the life they wanted to live. And so they did everything for everybody else. They burned themselves out to prove to everybody else to have all this money and all these cars and everything else. I can only drive one car at a time. I can only one, wear one pair of shoes at a time. I can only live in one house at a time. So for me, scaling my business to that degree right now isn't on the, the table. It could be five years from now. I could be like, oh my God, I had a taste. And man, I want a house in, on the beach and I want a house in the mountains. That might be something. But for right now, God's honest truth, my health and longevity is the most important thing because I don't want to let my son down. I don't want to burn myself out to make a bunch of extra money to leave to him, but not have me there with him. So that breaks my heart. That would make me cry. So next question. <laughs> I, I love that answer. Honestly, it's it's different for everybody. Some people, for them, they define their success by doubling or tripling their revenue, you know, and that's, or some people are perfectly happy with the way that things are and they focus more on the impact. It's, it's an individual journey. There's no one size fits all statement. So I actually mm -hmm. do really like your answer. Thank you. I mean, I'm going to write um, more books and I feel there, there'll be money from that. I feel my, my book is going to be made into a movie. Yeah. So I know the money's going to come. I don't live in that scarcity mindset anymore. So I know it's going to yeah. come. So I'm not, I'm not stressing about it. Okay. Absolutely. Love it. Um, let's talk up a little bit about your podcast because we are reaching the end here. Cool. Um, what's your favorite thing about podcasting? Let's start with that. Connecting with people. Yeah. Truly connecting with people, serving people, saying something in such a way that it gets a, a reaction from them, a response from them that they say, wow, I never heard it said in that way. And that they go do something with it. So all the time people listen to my show and watch it, they'll come back like, what you just said, I'm going to implement that. And then I said, tell me how that is, you know, and I'll check in with them. I'll keep a note, check in with me find out that they've changed their life. For me, as long as I can use my voice and my words, somebody listens to this interview and they, one person out of thousands listen to this and they go do something and they email me six months from now. It's like, Chris, I heard you on the podcast. Um, for me, that's it. So one of the greatest things is connecting with people. I have guests on my podcast. So I get to talk to people and dig into their brain and ask them uncomfortable questions and kind of understand what they're about. And it helps me understand people better. So those are some of the greatest things. Love it. The same goes for me. Same goes for me. Thanks. Um, on the flip side, what have been some of your biggest pain points when it comes to podcasting? What is something that you dislike about it just in general? Hmm. This is a funny answer, but it's the truth. Um, I used to not vet my guests very well. And so sometimes I would guess, oh, you got to have this person on the show and find out, you know, I read their resume and credentials all day long. Like, oh my God, this is going to be great. Get them on the show. And they're how can I say this politely? They don't have a personality. They're very boring. They're very dry or they're very egotistical. So now I vet my guests for every episode to make sure that they're good. They're not, you know, operating in that spot. So yeah, the biggest challenge is usually not anymore necessarily, but is finding the right guest um, to be on the show. But as far as challenges, no, I mean, it takes me probably about an hour a week planning to, to do both shows, to get them all up and to their video cast that go to YouTube. Then they go to podcast on all the platforms and everything else. So it's not a big deal for me. I turn down podcasts all the time to do to, to co-host them. I just turned down for mental health warriors. They wanted me to be on their network. I turned down another one. I'm like, so I have my two right now. I have another one that's going to potentially be coming out and uh, that's it. I just keep it simple and enjoy it. I have my Tuesday night show, which focuses on mindset and personal development and everything else. It's raw and scripted. And then the Friday night show is along the same lines, but it's more spirituality. My co-host on that one, he's like my yang, my yang to my yang, I guess. So I'm like a bull in a China shop. He's very meditative and very 
this is Scott Goyette and this is what we're going to be. So he's, it's so funny the, <laughs> the, 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 the difference between us, but we both ultimately say the same thing. So people dig the chemistry between us and how we come to the same point. And then we interview people as well. So it's not a problem. It's good. Awesome. Awesome. That's good to hear. I'm so happy. Um, so if you had to give one piece of advice and I will limit you to one sentence okay, to our listeners or viewers, what would it be? I'm going to meditate on this one sentence one <laughs> piece of advice mm-hmm. in one sentence and challenge two you two words be authentic just be it. you I'm, I'm, look at me most people go what the hell is this guy all about he's raw on a script he's got a hat and a bandana and tattoos and swears and everything i'm just being me i was a suit and tie speaker i was honestly you could check it on my youtube video it's it's a it's a playlist called suit and tie speaking me with short hair going ladies and gentlemen today we're going to talk about motivation i was still me but I didn't feel like me. I'm not a suit and tie guy. I'm a rocker. I'm a biker. I'm a party animal. I'm like, I talk straightforward. And then I went and joined a mastermind. I'm like, I just want to be who I am. And I think for everybody in this world, if they take this message, please just be who you are. And if people don't want you to be who you are, find new people. That is it. It's so simple. Like write out a piece of paper, five people, you know, or five people that you're closest to that are around the most. Are they supportive of you taking chances? Do they want you to go out there and risk and, and have fears and mistakes and failures and everything else? Do they want you to truly be who you are? Yes or no. If they're, if it's a no, then get new people in that five list. And I swear to God, your life will change. You're, you're like the five people you're like the most. I completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Thank you so much, Christopher, for coming on our show. I really appreciate it. Um, if Amazing. anybody's thank looking you. to get, thank you. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? No excuses, coach.com. Super simple. Okay. No excuses, coach.com right on the banner. There's all my social media. They can check out my YouTubes. They can see what I'm about. And uh, I would love to, and actually I'll do this. I just came to my mind. It just says, do this. Anybody listening wants a complimentary coaching session. I'll give that to them. They just have to mention that I've been on the show because you've been such an amazing host. I will do that for them. Awesome. Thank thousands, you so much. But... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm sure our, our listeners will appreciate it as well. Yeah. Be fun. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like, and subscribe. If you're a six figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top 100 interview.com. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.